Welcome back to another episode of the Off the Bench Pod. We're here. It's an emergency edition. Lesson, or probably around 24 hours ago, Damian Lillard got traded. We're coming to you September 28th. We're going to give you a full rundown on the trade. We actually, we had a whole episode planned for tonight, and we got the news yesterday afternoon about Damian Lillard. Instantly scrapped everything. We wrote up a whole new script, a whole new outline. We're just going to go over the trade for the uh, entirety of this of this episode here. Um, I'm joined again with my two co-hosts. It's nice. We have a, a full squad tonight. Jesus is with us. Jesus, how are you doing? Pretty good. Excited for the NBA season starting to talk about this trade. And Andy, how are we doing? I'm good. Excited to talk about the trade. The trade's a big one. The trade has some details and, you know, certainly it's not fully complete. We're going to get some more information probably in the next week or two. Um, it's going to give us, you know, a full layout of, you know, what the final deal is going to look like. I mean, this trade is complete, uh, but there looks to be at least one piece or two that may be flipped. So I'm going to go ahead and read you off the full details of the trade. Uh, Portland, obviously, is going to trade Dame to the Bucks. That will be all the Bucks are receiving in the deal. Portland's going to bring in DeAndre Ayton, Drew Holiday, Tamani Kamara from the Suns. They're going to get the 2029 unprotected first rounder from Milwaukee, as well as Milwaukee's 2028 or pick right pick swap rights unprotected to Milwaukee's 2028 and 2020 or 2030 first round picks. And Phoenix is going to bring in Yusuf Nurkic, Grayson Allen, Nasir Little, and Keon Johnson. Um, initial thoughts from the trade, Andy. Um, it's a big one. We were ne- we knew there was always going to be a Damian Lillard trade. I think there was no way he was staying. Given what he had said in various posts or to his various agents or whatever, we knew he was never going to stay in Portland another year. So we knew there was going to tra- a trade be happening, but obviously you'd think it would be the Heat. That that was a team that everybody had on their mind for a long time. From, I think, July, it was like the Heat are making a package, they're changing the package, they're putting this player there. It's going to be a four-teamer, it's going to be a three-teamer. And then we have this trade to Milwaukee, which kind of shocked me, to be honest. I didn't think Milwaukee was in the running for Dame Lillard. But after the trade, I would think it turned out to be pretty good for all sides involved, particularly for the Blazers and Milwaukee, especially for Milwaukee, because you've been hearing about the Giannis stuff in the background about him not being sure about staying there for a long time after his contract runs out, maybe going to New York. This move kind of lays that out in the background, put that, puts that to the rest. I think they did that knowing that Giannis was flip-flopping with his future decisions. And now they got they got a bona fide superstar named Lillard. He's a little old than you would want him to be. He's 33. His contract's a li- little longer than you would want it to be. But other than that, it improves Milwaukee, in my opinion, for this year. It makes them probably number one. Title favorites. East. In my opinion, probably number one, maybe tied with the Celtics. We'll we'll talk about that, but we will. I think now we'll the lineup that. with Lillard, um, Giannis, Middleton, Lopez, and maybe Connaughton, that starting five is pretty solid. I don't think you can beat that starting five in the East. Yeah, it's certainly a formidable lineup, and you look at the move Boston made, and I think you know they made a big gamble, changing their identity a little bit. Smart for uh, Porzingis. Milwaukee, it's a little bit similar, but at the same time, like they're just swapping the position, right? You give up Grace and Allen in the deal as well. So, you know, we'll talk about some of the things that they're going to, you know, maybe struggle with this year in, in result of this trade. But, you know, overall, 
like you see the vision for Milwaukee. Yeah. Um, Jesus, do you have any thoughts? Um, yeah, lots of them. So I'm very excited to see how this Bucks team plays. I'm glad Miami didn't get nobody because nobody wants to go to Miami with that little fraud. Dame did. Um, but I also read something, I think it was from Shams, how that he offered Tyler, Jovic, three first-round picks, pick swaps, Is and it? multiple two-round picks for Dame, and they still declined that, which I thought was pretty crazy. And they only received Aiton, Drew, and all that other stuff. I thought, I definitely think Portland lost that trade, but every other team definitely won that, which is pretty crazy. Yeah, it's definitely interesting to think about. Um, you know, when you look at the offers, the supposed offer on Miami's end, side by side with what they received here, you know, you might question it a little bit, uh, but certainly Drew Holiday is not going to stick around in Portland very long. So before we're going to start judging that, I think it's important to recognize, like, you know, Drew Holiday is going to go to a contender, and a contender is going to pay a hefty price for him. I can promise you that. Uh, but before we get into Drew a little bit, I want to talk about uh, Milwaukee's side of the trade because certainly that's the most intriguing piece. They're trading for the superstar. They're the title contender, you know, who really takes a leap here with this deal. Um, and so when you look at their strengths last year, it definitely wasn't the offense, okay? This is a defensive-minded team. You know, when their offense was clicking, they were out in transition. Obviously, with Giannis, you know, getting a full steam and going downhill, or Drew Holiday in transition, distributing it, Chris Middleton pulling up from mid-ranges. Um, they did not perform well in the half court. So when you got into the playoffs and you watched that Miami series, you know, even with Giannis out sometimes, their half-court offense struggled a lot, right? So when you go get Dame, and you give up Grayson Allen, and you give up Drew Holiday, you know, they're going to be giving up some defense, but their half-court offense is going to improve drastically from this trade. Um, you got maybe maybe a top-three perimeter shooter and perimeter scorer in the league in Damian Lillard, and you're pairing him with maybe the best complementary version of a basketball player in Giannis, who's just going to dominate the interior all the time. So from an offensive standpoint, I love it. You know, this is going to be a team that we're going to be watching probably all the way through April, still trying to figure out how to stop them offensively going into the playoffs, right? Through 82 games, I doubt we're going to have much of an answer on how to stop them. Now, defensively, Pat Connaughton, and I've seen Bucks fans, or not Pat Connaughton, sorry. I've seen Bucks fans, you know, kind of start to jump ship on Grace Allen and Drew a little bit, which is ironic because, I mean, if you watch the playoffs, 2022, he gave the Celtics fits. Drew Holiday was a menace, and he may have had a rough series against against the Heat, but he was on Jimmy Butler the entire time, and Jimmy Butler cooked him a couple games, but for the most part, Drew Holiday, he's still one of the best, if not the best, two-way players in the league, so you're giving up a lot of defense and a lot of perimeter defense, especially in giving up him and Grayson Allen, so, and another thing, when I look at centers, and you're going to say Brooke Lopez is a great rim protector, I really think rim, prote rim protection is partially dependent on perimeter defense, right? When you're getting guys constantly blown by, you know, you're getting a lot more guys coming at you in the paint, and a lot of the times you're not going to be able to stop them. So, you know, your efficiency as a rim protector goes way down as more cases of players getting to the rim with rim pressure increases. Um, the other thing I want to touch on is, you know, Dame and Giannis obviously said their fit's going to be perfect. 
they're not just going to be good complementing each other. You know, one of them has the ball and the other one is doing their other thing. You're going to be able to run them in pick and rolls. And if Giannis starts to really improve his mid-range, which he's been working on for a while now, I, I don't know how you're going to ever stop Damian Lillard, Giannis, pick and roll. Like, it may be nastier exactly. than what we see with Harden and Embiid. Way nastier, easily. And I mean, Harden and Embiid, like, you're going to say, like, it's not even close. Well, nobody stopped it last year. The Celtics didn't stop it in the playoffs. Nobody stopped it in the regular season. And that's why they were the three seed, and they took Boston to seven games. So when I look at Milwaukee's team, like, you can make the argument uh, they didn't get crazy, like, a crazy amount better net-wise. But offensively, I, I don't have an answer on how this team is going to be stopped ever. Yeah, um, just to add to, before we move on to other teams in the trade, I think the playoff thing is also a big thing because Drew Holiday was kind of not the best scorer in the playoffs and Milwaukee is a team kind of struggled scoring in the playoffs a lot in the last couple of years, especially this year when the, they lost to Miami in the first round. They needed scoring and they couldn't get it in crucial spots. And with Damian Lillard, he is the bona fide like. He's what you want in playoff games in like the fourth quarter in the last four minutes on your team. And now they have that and they probably have the best player at it, that position. So I think now stopping this offense in the playoffs will be really tough. And defensively, I think I heard Morjan Bochamp, his name being mentioned a lot on like Twitter about with um, Bucks fans, him being like a potential starter over Connaughton. Maybe being a better defensive option. I don't know what you think about that, that, Kevin. You got any thoughts on that? I don't think he's ready for that kind of role. You know, you ask Bucks, Bucks fans, you know, they'll probably tell you he's going to be an all-star in two years. They're really yeah. high on him. You watch him in summer league, he had a couple of good games, and obviously he played in those pro-ams. He did well. He's not going to be an above-average wing defender this season. And mm-hmm. so when you talk about Giannis's future, especially, it's something to consider, you know, what's going to happen this year? How much of a title contender are they this year? They're the title favorite in my eyes right now. But, like, if you're going to tell me, instead of here and tell me, like, they've separated themselves from the rest of the East, I just disagree. I think I want to see this team and how they how they perform defensively, you know, for a stretch of a month or two before I really, you know, make any kind of claim there. Um, and to go back to what you said about Dame, you know, generating the offense, to be clear, like, you're mostly considering like closing, like closing games, like coming in the yeah. final minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is that may be the biggest part of this because when you look at the Bucks, even the year they won the title, usually a team's best player is their closer. Giannis, Giannis has shown yeah. he is not a closer, right? When especially when you get behind in games. I mean, last year against Miami, Jimmy's going down. He's hit jumper after jumper, and all of a sudden they're down five, and Giannis is just trying to sprint at the basket full speed, and he's losing the ball. He's taking contested layups. Like, that's not what you want from your offense in the final minutes. And you're giving him, like, you're giving him a guy who may be on a tier of his own with Jimmy in terms of clutch buckets. Like, mm-hmm. when you think about clutch scoring late, it's Jimmy, Dame. You know, you can throw Steph and LeBron in there as well. But those two, like, a shot goes up in the final minutes by one of those guys, and you're closing your eyes and praying it doesn't go in. Yeah. Right? And to pair that with a guy like Giannis – and that defense, uh, the rim protection, mm-hmm. it's going to be a nasty squad. Yeah. Um, any final thoughts on Milwaukee's side of things? All right, then let's get into Portland. Portland, this was intriguing for them, and they're going to be questioned a lot about this, especially you know after we see what happens with Drew Holiday. But 
obviously the big piece, the really big piece that they're going to hold on to is DeAndre Ayton. Mm-hmm. And believe me when I tell you, I think DeAndre Ayton was probably the piece that they've had their eye on for a while, right? I mean, you look at the package Miami was going to send, and maybe it's better, but they were going to flip Hero anyway, right? And so you look at DeAndre Ayton, and you think, okay, they're going to go after a big man who's going to be there for a long time, and they've got wings that they can build around, Shaden Sharp, uh, Scoot Henderson, Chris Murray, you know, plenty of guys on that team, Anthony Simons, who they've, they've invested in, and certainly Jeremy Grant, who's gotten a big contract. In terms of fit, the DeAndre Ayton acquisition, to me, is miles better than the Tyler Hero acquisition. Because you're going to think about who are they going to hold on to from this trade, right? You don't necessarily just want to trade for picks and just pray that you do well in the draft. There needs to be some kind of core piece that you're going to hold on to. And that's why I think Phoenix was a, like, a solidified, cemented third team in this deal, which probably led to Miami's downfall in terms of what Phoenix was trying to get out of it. Um, so I think that explains the Miami side of things pretty well. Um, what are your thoughts on uh, DeAndre Ayton? Obviously, you've gotten the chance to see him play Jesus uh, against the Lakers quite a bit. DeAndre Ayton in Portland, what are your thoughts there? Breakout season. He's going to be an all-star this year. Easily. You really think so? Yes, 100%. I mean, when you look at him in Phoenix, he felt, and a lot of you know other people around the league felt like his role was too small especially even before they traded for KD. Now, you know, he wasn't ever going to see that role again. What kind of role, obviously you think he's going to be an all-star, what kind of role, though, in the offense do you see for him next year? I can see him being probably the second the second main scorer, really. Either It's going to be either him or Scoop, but I, I really like how Aiden got traded Portland because obviously he's already having issues with the coaching staff in Phoenix. So now I feel like this is going to be a fresh start. And a lot of people were shitting on him last season. Even I was, not going to lie. But I feel like this is going to be a very clean slate where he can just start balling out like he usually does. People say he's not that first pick type person anymore, but I definitely feel like he's going to ball out this coming season. Yeah, I can see there being um, you know a repeat of the tension that he saw in Phoenix with Portland. Um, but with the pieces they have around him, hopefully initially they can get him going and build some confidence in him. But, you know, when you look back at the role he was playing in Phoenix, I mean, this is a big man who is playing around, you know, two of the best mid-range shooters in the league, right? Before the KD trade and Chris Paul and Devin Booker, and then you bring in KD, who maybe is the best mid-range shooter in the league. And you look at a guy like that, a lot of their offense may be pick and roll generated. And, what Phoenix wanted him to do a lot was to just set the screen and get to the rim, right, and be ready for a rebound. Because when you got shooters like that, they're going to be taking that shot a lot. And I don't think he ever really bought into that system. I think he felt like he should be getting the ball off the screen, you know, more times than not. And so he got really frustrated, I think. And, you know, people are saying, well, what is Phoenix doing? You know, Phoenix goes out and they downgrade at center. Well, Yusuf Nurkic isn't going to cause that you know, locker room problem for them. He's going to run to the rim and rebound without any question. So, like, trying to reconcile that decision by Phoenix, to me, like, it clicked immediately. And I don't understand, you know, all the drama on social media about that um, at all. Um, In addition to Aiton, obviously, they departed with Nasir Little, who actually played pretty well 
last year. He's on a, I, th- I think he's on a rookie extension, about seven million dollars a year. And Keon Johnson, who's more of a back end bench piece, but you know if you're Phoenix, you're taking a flyer on him with no problem. And then Phoenix sends Tumani Kamara, who I'm really excited to talk about on this episode because if you watched the summer league this past year, there were very few guys who I watched who had the offensive offensive ability of Tamani Kamara, given how much he's gotten to play. I mean, Phoenix was in close games with Milwaukee and other teams in summer league, and they were just feeding him the ball and telling him to go get a bucket. And I watched him and I watched some heat games. I'm telling you what, man, he, I, I really think he might be a better asset than Jaime Jaquez or Nikola Jovic. Right. And I think, I think Portland may have recognized that they certainly saw, you know, some of the things he's capable of doing and he's young um, and another wing that they might be able to bring in and develop. I think he was a key piece, a key part of this um, that really sold Portland on this part of the deal. Um, any thoughts there on the rest of the things that Portland received, Andy? I know we talked about Jure a little bit, and we'll talk about him later as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think just a couple. I think overall, I think it was if this was the package that Milwaukee had, um, the final offer, and the final offer for Miami was Hero, two first, Hakres, and Yo Yovich. Yeah, I don't think I think this package was just way better than the Heat package. And so it was a no-brainer for them to take this package over the Heat package. And um, also they got a couple – I think they got a first-rounder, and then they also get, like, two swap picks. Am I right about yep, that? Yeah, we got to talk about that too. I forgot. Yeah, so I think even though it's maybe one pick less than they've gotten from Miami because I think they were getting two first-rounders, Milwaukee's picks are probably worth more than Miami's picks because Miami's always really good. And Milwaukee – after the next six years, you don't know where they're going. They might be tanking. They might be in the bottom spot in the Eastern Conference. So I think just on paper, Milwaukee's pick seems and swap pick seems better than whatever Miami picks had to offer. Yeah, I think you're spot on. I couldn't have said it any better. Um, Miami, you're, like you said, that culture they build there, they're always contending. And you know, they're not going to go through periods you know, where they're okay with just not paying the tax and rebuilding. And they've got young guys who, after Jimmy Butler leaves, like Bam, Tyler Hero, Caleb Martin even, these guys are going to be able to carry on the tradition where you look at Milwaukee and their three best players are Giannis before the trade, Giannis, Chris Middleton, and Brooke Lopez, who are all really old, right? Mm -hmm. And so by the time these picks come to fruition, not only are those guys probably going to be out of the league, who knows where Giannis is going to be? I know a lot of people are saying that this kind of solidifies Giannis' future, I don't think it does because if you're Giannis and Giannis is smart, if they go into this year, I'm not saying this will happen. They go into this season and they, for some reason, have a rough regular season and they get bounced in the second round and Giannis is looking around and they've got a 33 year old point guard on a four year deal. Are you sure he's going to sign an extension there? Like, are are you positive that he's still going to sign that extension? Because if that was the case, I think that would have been part of what Milwaukee was aiming for with this trade. And I think by now we would have started to hear rumblings of Giannis getting ready to sign his extension. Because what else is he waiting for? You know what I mean? Yeah, um, I think you, I think they were kind of hoping. What they, best case scenario, they go to the finals at least. At least the Eastern Conference finals. And hopefully that makes Giannis sign the extension. But you're right. If they... This trade was made 
because they thought this was going to take them to the finals. But if they just, if things don't work out and they get bounced in the second round, you might be right. It might be time for Giannis in Milwaukee. Yeah. And just to be clear, like, this is all around the premise that, you know, Miami's complaining, Miami fans complaining. They were going to offer more picks. But like we just talked about, Milwaukee's picks are going to be valuable. Yeah. Um, even, even if Giannis extends, you know, certainly he'll be around, but there's no guarantee that they're able to build a finals contender around him because, you know, he's a unique superstar. He's going to make a lot of money, but he's shown that he probably needs another diverse scorer around him for them to be a contender. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesus, any final thoughts on Portland's side of the deal? Their future's looking bright. That's it. I would agree. I would agree 100%. All right, and the final leg of the trade, obviously Phoenix. I think Phoenix is probably catching the most heat out of everybody. We touched on the Aiton Nurkic swap, uh, and Grace and Allen and this whole process is just getting disrespected like nobody I've ever seen in a trade. Like, people are acting like he didn't start for them last year. I mean, he's a good perimeter defender, and I would argue he was their best shooter. He was the best shooter that they could roll out there in their starting lineup. There was a game during the season where he started out like 5-for-5, five five, and I checked the box score, and it was like Grayson Allen had 15 of their 24, right? And like when you look at the, the situation Phoenix was in, after not only trading for Kevin Durant but signing Bradley Beal, this is a team who could only sign players in free agency with the vet minimum. And so you see them go out and they get, you know, Drew Eubanks, Yuta Watanabe, Eric Gordon, um, other players like that who aren't like aren't going to make a crazy amount of difference. And for everybody who was bashing on Phoenix last year, what was their critique? Their critique was that there was no depth and there was no shooting around KD and Devin Booker. So not only does Phoenix go out and replace Aiton with a, a center who's probably going to buy in pretty well to the system. But they go out and they get another role player, you know, who's probably going to be the first off the bench for them and be a significant con- contributor right away. And they also get a couple flyers on guys like Nasir Little and Keon Johnson. I mean, they've got a lot of rostered players right now, and they're going to figure that out in training camp who's going to be on the team. But, you know, if you're them, why, why wouldn't you take a chance on these guys, given how hard it is for them to build, fill out their roster? Andy, go ahead. Yeah, um, I think with fantasy season going on in football, it's really hard to make trades. And you always say that when you have it in your in your own fantasy group, there's always people who call you out when you make a trade and you got fleeced. The <laughs> there's a backstory to this. To our viewers, real quick, there's a backstory to this, and we're not going to go down the rabbit hole. Um, but yeah. he's not just throwing out accusations here. Right? Yeah, there's um, some basis to the argument. You always There's always some side that's, that gets fleed in fantasy trade, at least in the group chats. People call out people. But... Um, I think in this trade, the third side, which is Phoenix, actually didn't get really fleeced, and all three teams actually probably got an A grade or B plus grade because I think that's the best grade everybody could get. But I think people will call out Phoenix for losing Aiden because he was a number one pick, and the the return they got is probably not close to what the number one pick is should be worth. But still, Nurkic is I think will be better than. Um, Aiden in that system and I think he just wants to win more and do the stuff they want to do more like you mentioned with him rebounding and not just wanting to be out on the perimeter getting the ball like Aiden wanted to do and actually wanting to play in the system with Beal, um, Durant and Booker and also with Allen and Little now they got more wing options and add more depth 
to the roster that was pretty bare when they made the Beal trade. So I think, yeah, it's a pretty good addition. Phoenix looks really good. And just on a side note, um, I think if it's Phoenix and um, Milwaukee in the finals, it'll be really fun to see Nurkic and Dame playing against each other after, like, years of playing together. So that'll be fun to see. Absolutely. And they played well together. It's worth noting that, at least. Yusuf Nurkic is not a bum. Uh, unfortunately, being the replacement for DeAndre Ayton, a former number one pick, he's catching, you know, some strays in social media. Hey, Zeus, I want to pivot to you a little bit. Obviously, you know, following the Lakers and Nuggets pretty closely. Um, this trade for Phoenix, how does it shake up the, the top of the Western Conference with them, Denver, L.A., Golden State, and Memphis? Honestly, for me, it doesn't change much because – I really want to see like how the lineups look by the time the season starts. Because I still got Nuggets at one, Lakers at two, and then Phoenix at three. But depending how these lineups look and how, how good the chemistry is, I could definitely see Phoenix being number two and Lakers at number three. That's how I see it. Yeah, the Lakers with LeBron and AD are traditionally just a phenomenal regular season team. I, I can also see them at two. Not, not at all. Not at Easily. all. Um, I want to pivot a little bit back to Grayson Allen now. And, you know, this I, This is something I've hammered home since I, like, read the full details of the trade. I believe Grayson Allen is the reason um, – or Grayson Allen's role in the trade is the reason that Miami was not involved. I think when you look at what Phoenix was going to get back, you know, what were they going to get from Miami or Portland in that deal that would have enticed them, you know – to make or to make the trade, right? I mean, DeAndre Ayton and sending them and sending him to uh, to Portland, you know, you're departing at around thirty million in salaries. Now, Damian Lillard's going to Miami in that case, which is in the forties. So Miami's going to have to send a lot, a lot of contracts um, back to Portland, right? Because uh, Portland's going to want something in return. And when you look at the contracts on Miami. That was going to have to be at least Hero, you know, a combination of guys like Duncan Robinson, Caleb Martin, Jovic, Chakez. So then you look at the rest of Miami's roster, what was Phoenix going to get from Miami, right? Whereas Milwaukee's got that $37 million invested in Drew Holiday, which significantly lowers the amount of filler contracts that they have to send to Portland. So they're able to depart with a guy like Grayson Allen who can help the Suns. So I, I want to make that clear. I think people are failing to realize how, you know, salaries work in a trade. You have to match salaries up to a certain percentage, you know, depending on your status and payroll. So if you're not a tax team, you can bring in up to 125% of the salaries that you trade out. So, for example, if you are trading a $15 million player, okay, and you're a team who isn't in the tax, the maximum amount of salaries you can bring back are $20 million, okay? Now, if you're in the tax, that number jumps to 110% or lowers to 110%, I should say. So in that case, you'd only be able to bring back about 16 and a half. So these salaries have to match. And when you look at a potential trade between you know Miami instead of Milwaukee, Miami doesn't have that big contract like Drew Holiday. They were going to have to send more fillers to Portland. And I, I think Phoenix was the third team. And if Portland really wanted Aiton and Phoenix wasn't convinced on what they were getting back, that's probably why Portland wasn't like truly invested 
and making a deal with Miami. I think I think that's getting overlooked a little bit, Andy. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. I think people on Twitter usually don't have enough background information before they make their comments. So I think once you, like you probably understand, of the three of us, you probably understand best how the trade system works, how you can only send out and get in salary as much as you send out. So I feel like Miami just, and I think I heard, I don't know if this was true, but I heard a rumor that the Blazers GM asked for Bam or Jimmy in a trade, which is, I think that's just, I think Miami would just stop trading at that point. Like I don't believe that report. I, I don't, I just don't. But I feel like also Blazers and the Miami like organizations don't have the best relationship or whatever to make the trade successful. I think from the start there was some kind of like people just thought it was a foregone conclusion that he was going to Miami and the Blazers never made it seem like that. So I feel like they never had a good enough relationship to make the trade also happen in terms of that way, not just the financials. Yeah, I I, I think you're hitting it well on the head there. Um the interesting part of that report actually is, I mean, going back to what I said about salaries, that may have been accurate. Like Tyler Hero makes $27 million a year. You know, Jimmy makes 45, Bam makes 30, 37. So those are larger contracts. So they may have asked for that so that they could send more things to the third team to get the deal done. Like if yeah. Miami truly wanted to be in the trade, I think they were going to have to send somebody over to Phoenix to entice Phoenix to want to do the deal. Um, but I mean, the trade's over now, and uh, I mean, unless Pat Riley's going to run his mouth or, you know, somebody in the Phoenix front office is going to talk, we're probably never going to have an answer. That's just what I think. Um, any final thoughts on these sides of the trade? All right, well, we're going to jump in uh, to some deeper implications, and then we'll touch a little bit more on Drew Holiday before we go. Uh, we talked about Phoenix in the West a little bit. Where does this leave Milwaukee in the East, Berman? I think you're probably not going to like this with you being a Celtics fan, but I think some people might say they're tied for first, but I think it's Milwaukee number one. Not that offense with Dame, even though he'll look odd in the Milwaukee green. For the I first agree with you. Let me just put that out there. I agree with you. But the offense is just unstoppable. Giannis is already unstoppable. Like either you foul him or he just gets whatever points he wants every game. And now you add Dame Lillard to that. It just you can't stop that offense. Defensively, I don't think they'll be that good at the start. But Adrian Griffin, Griffin, I think he's a defensive coach. I think he was the defensive assistant at um, Toronto before this. So I feel like if you have a decent defensive-minded coach, that'll probably help get a better defense around Giannis and Lord. But I feel like yeah, for now, Milwaukee is number one unless some injuries happen, which I hope they don't. Yeah, yeah, you certainly never think about that when you're making your predictions. I mean. Although that's a lot of a lot of times the knock on the Celtics right now is Brogdon, Rob Williams, Porzingis are injury prone. Like nobody wants to rank them as high, um, but I, I do agree with you. I think when you look at the roster, and Milwaukee's won the championship. Giannis has won MVP. You know Boston's a great team. Boston doesn't have that right now. I think the burden of proof is on Boston to come in and prove that they are better than Milwaukee, um, even though they've finished ahead of them the past two years. Damian Lillard certainly is better than Jalen Brown and, you know, Giannis is probably better than Jason Tatum. Um, and you go down the line, they probably have a little bit more talent than the Celtics um, in the starting lineup and in the playoffs. I mean, depth matters, but you know, your starting lineup, it, it, you need them to carry you. 
and I think Milwaukee's got the better lineup right now. Um, I need to see it from Boston, and certainly with the way reporters on Twitter talk without having full knowledge of situations, some people think Boston's going to make a run at Drew Holiday. Uh, I don't think it's possible. I've done the math. I, I don't see a deal that works without Robert Williams or Al Horford. So um, I think Boston's probably done making moves for, this, for the offseason. And what you see with their lineup is what they're going to roll out there. Um, you know that Giannis and Dame are going to be a good fit. Let's see what Porzingis looks like in Boston because, you know, people probably thought pretty similar of his fit with Luka as they do with him in the Jays. So uh, that is something I think we need to see first from them. Uh, Jesus, any thoughts? Um, I still think the Celtics are number one, but no, that's about it. <laughs> and do you guys think that outside of the Celtics and Milwaukee, anybody else is even on that tier? Mm, I don't think so. Um, yeah. Miami, my Philly? Certainly's not after what happened. They're probably not. Not without yeah. Vincent Strews, I don't yeah. think. I don't think so. That, that's kind of where I sit. I think the, the East has gotten even more top-heavy than it was last year. Um, let's talk about Drew Holiday a little bit because I think, you know, the Dame situation's over and now we have this whole new sweepstakes beginning, the Drew Holiday sweepstakes. Um, certainly contenders are going to be lining up at Portland's door and Joe Cronin, uh, his life is not getting any easier with the decisions he's having to make in Portland. Uh, initial reactions and initial you know, trade partners for Drew Holiday include Miami, Philly, Toronto, and Boston, even though I don't think Boston will seriously be considering it. Um, the first move that I saw in a mock yesterday after the deal, because you know how social media is, one thing happens and everybody switches over to something else. Um, people are linking Drew Holiday to Philly and saying that they're going to be able to get a deal done with the Clippers um, to send Harden to L.A. and L.A. assets, maybe Terrence Mann, Marcus Morris, over to over to Portland. Um, and it's certainly worth noting the implications that would have on the league, right? Uh, L.A. would get a lot better. That fit next to between Kawhi and James Harden would be lethal. And certainly, you know, Philly, Philly gets a little bit of a new identity there uh, with a really good defensive and offensive guard lining up next to Embiid and taking some defensive burden away from him. Uh, Jesus, where is your favorite landing spot for Drew Holiday right now? Well, it depends. If um, if Portland decides not to trade him until like the middle of the season, I saw a crazy, crazy Twitter uh, thread yesterday. It was um, the Lakers. Like, hear me out, hear me out. It would be Russell. It would be Russell. <laughs> Why am I not surprised? It'd be Russell, Vincent, Prince, and like I think it was like a first round top ten protected pick. That that would go crazy. Not gonna lie. Well, I, I'm of the I'm of the mindset that he's not gonna play a game in Portland, and that they're gonna try to move him maybe even before camp, like they were trying to do with Damian Lillard. Um, but certainly, you know, if LA is able to sit on their on their salaries and make a deal. Um, that would be something that Portland's going to consider. And, you know, Portland and L.A., they don't have a bad relationship. And D'Angelo Russell, I mean, he's certainly not going to be a great fit in Portland, but, you know, that's another veteran who, who can go in there and mentor some guys. Um, I don't think it's out of the question, but I, I just see him getting traded sooner than that. 
Yeah, um, Andy, good. any thoughts there? Yeah, um, I think I, I like two teams to make the East more competitive. Um, I think it's the Heat or the Sixers. Like, I'd, the Heat would be an interesting option, getting Drew Holiday instead of Damian Lillard. But I think the Heat, Heat team will be, like, probably the best defensive team in the NBA if they get Drew Holiday with Jimmy and Bam and the already good defense they already had. And if and if it's the Sixers, then, I like you mentioned, I like the fit with Embiid, uh, Maxi and... And uh, Drew Holiday, they've never had, he's never really had a player like Drew Holiday before, two way kind of player who can shoot and defend pretty well the perimeter. So I just think Heat and Sixers are probably the best option that will make the East to, that will make the East a three team um, conference of the two team conference it is right now. Yeah, Miami's, Miami's interesting because, I mean, they're always going to be in on every free agent. But I'm, inter- I'm interested to see, you know, how trade talks go between the two parties because I don't know about you guys, if I'm a GM and I'm really trying to get something done and the other party is just being annoying and refusing to comply with anything, uh, like I almost burned that bridge. Like I don't know how you guys feel about that, but if I was Pat Riley in this situation, like, and, you know, Portland comes to me and says, hey, here's Drew Holiday, and they just refuse to even negotiate for Dame, like my pride would almost make me hang up the phone now. Pat Riley, he's a professional. I'm sure that he's going to at least check on the price for Drew Holiday. But certainly, like, what a win for Portland that would be if they're able to send Damian Lillard somewhere else and then get similar assets in the deal for Drew Holiday. Because, you know, truth be told, Miami probably doesn't feel like they have enough to win right now. And if they do, they're lying to themselves. Because yeah, I, I tell you what, you look at that roster, and last year them barely making the play-in and the playoffs. I, I, this team is not capable of winning a championship right now. I'm just right. going to say it, right? You lose Gabe Vincent and Max Drews, and uh, Jimmy gets a year older. I mean, whatever. But this is not a team that's going to compete with Boston or Milwaukee as it is right now. Um, so if you're Pat Riley, you need to go in and you need to check on Drew Holiday. But, man, it's going to cost you again. And Drew Holiday, he's been vocal about you know his future in the league, his future as a professional basketball player he probably won't be playing for more than a couple more years, right? And so you're really taking some risk there if you're going to trade a bunch of assets for Drew Holiday, you know, just to maximize your current title window. Um, Aside from those two teams, we haven't talked about Toronto really at all. And Toronto, they were engaged in a bunch of talks with OG Ananobi, you know, Pascal Siakam to Atlanta. Nothing ever materialized because apparently Masai Ujiri is just – a very difficult person to, to negotiate with. But Drew Holiday to, to Toronto would certainly turn some heads depending on what they have to give up. Probably OG Ananobi. But man, if you're if you're able to bring in a defensive-minded guard to replace a defensive-minded wing who is a significant wor- significantly worse scorer, that'd be an upgrade for Toronto. Jesus. What do you think? What'd you say? Sorry, cut out. Uh, Drew Holiday to Toronto in exchange for OG Ananobi and other assets, would that change things in the East, especially in favor for Toronto? Huh. That's a very interesting question. I really don't know. I don't feel like it would... I feel like it'd give them a little boost, but I wouldn't say it'd be like a complete game changer. I I just have to see how it would work, honestly. 
But yeah, I think it's a valid point. Andy, go I, ahead. It doesn't move the needle for me because they already lost Fred Van Vliet, so they're kind of light. I think I think they're just worse than last year. And even if they add OG, like even if they replace OG with um, Drew, I don't think it makes them any better than they were last year. Like they might, like they might compete in the first round, but I don't think they're getting winning the second round. So yeah. I agree. I don't know. I, I think I disagree with you guys a lot. Like, I'm looking at the pairing in that front court. Scotty Barnes and OG Ananobi, two guys who probably aren't very good shooters next to each other. And you get rid of OG, like, you're taking a hit on perimeter defense. And then you're bringing in another great perimeter defender who's just a better scorer. Um, they added Drew, or Dennis Schroeder this offseason. They yeah. added Jalen McDaniels, who's going to be a solid, a solid shooter off the bench for them. I think that'd be I think that'd be a wise move for Toronto to at least you know see if they're able to sneak into the top six. I think Brooklyn's going to take a step back. Miami's going to take a step back. If you're if you're Toronto and you trade for Drew Holiday, what's stopping you from getting the three seed? Like Pascal Siakam's still there. Scotty Barnes certainly going to take a step. I, I think they would have what it takes. Now I don't think it makes them a title contender, but at least does enough to to maybe convince Pascal to stay. And to, to keep Scotty Barnes around for a little bit longer, I don't know. I, I I think that would seriously make them, you know, at least conference finals contenders. Yeah. Uh, other than that, do you guys have any final thoughts on Drew Holiday? Uh, it's sad he couldn't stay in with Milwaukee, like he said he well, wanted to stay. That little quote of his, I mean, it's sad, but at the same time, his ability to sign an extension there, that was up question as well and I mean we can touch on that another time but you know in the media it'll get portrayed a certain way like they did with Marcus Smart and the Celtics but this is a business teams are trying to win a championship and certainly for Milwaukee there was a bigger picture that they needed to focus on and especially after the Celtics a team who's kind of had their number the past couple years makes a move that at the time certainly made Boston favorites um, a winning a winning culture and a winning a winning organization, they go out and they make a move to get themselves back on top, and that's exactly what Milwaukee did. I commend them for that, and you know, as a result, they're favorites in the East. Um, certainly going to be a chance to be favorites for the NBA title. I mean, I'm sure it'll be Denver for now, but Milwaukee's right there in the conversation. Yep, easily. Well, I think that wraps up everything that we had to talk about. Um, just a couple things uh, for upcoming episodes. It's about three, four weeks until the, the NBA season starts. We're going to aim to have enough. 36? 26. 26. 26, so under four weeks. Um, we're going to try to have another episode sometime next week after training camp and media day starts. We think Drew Holiday may be traded by then. We'll have some content based on you know some quotes from players and teams. James Harden certainly will be somebody that we – we watch a little bit whether he shows up or not. Um, and then we're going to try to have another episode right before the season where we give you our official standings predictions for the upcoming season. Um, and that will be a wrap on season one, and we'll kick off season two to start the season. Yep. Any Sounds final good. thoughts, boys? All righty. Well, we appreciate everybody tuning in. I'm glad you guys joined me today. Uh, that's a wrap on episode eight.